0: Welcome to the Beech Grove United Methodist Podcast for Sunday, January 10th, celebrating Baptism of Our Lord. We hope you will enjoy today's message. Thank you. The scripture for this week comes from the Gospel of Mark, chapter one, verses four through thirteen. John the Baptist appeared in the wilderness, proclaiming a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. And people from the whole Judean countryside and all the people of Jerusalem were going and were baptized by him in the Jordan, confessing their sins. Now John was clothed with camel's hair, with a leather belt around his waist, and he ate locusts and wild honey. He proclaimed, The one who is more powerful than I is coming after me. I am not worthy to stoop down and untie the thong of his sandals. I have baptized you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit." And he was with the wild beasts, and the angels waited on him. This is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God.
1: Let us pray. Holy and gracious God, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of each one of our hearts be holy and pleasing to you, that through your word for us this day, we would know your love and know to share your love with the world. It's in your son's name we pray. Amen. So if I asked you to tell me a story, how much detail do you think you would include in your retelling? Would you be as detailed as possible, telling me the color of the sky, even though it has nothing to do with your story? Or... Would you give me only the pertinent details, and allow me to fill in the rest with my imaginative mind? If you've ever read through each of the four Gospels, you see four different perspectives telling about the life and ministry of the same man, Jesus Christ. Stories told in different ways, with with different emphasis and different details. However, it benefits us to look at each of them in their own context and in conjunction with the purpose that they're trying to achieve through the story they're trying to tell. We don't look at the four Gospels as one cohesive story that four people are trying to tell together. No, we look at the Gospels each as a different story and a different lens as how we can view Jesus. To me, this ideal of how Gospel texts are written is really prevalent in the Gospel of Mark. Mark is the first written Gospel and the shortest Gospel of all four. Mark is fast paced and the Gospel writer moves somewhat seamlessly from one story to another. Painting a picture of a man named Jesus who performs miracles, preaches, teaches, and sacrifices for the good of humanity. If you read the Gospel of Mark from beginning to end, it would almost sound scatterbrained. And yet there is a cohesive story that the Gospel writer is trying to tell. As we journey through the next uh, month and a half, we're going to look at just the first chapter of the Gospel of Mark. And we are going to get down to business. Having just come off Advent Advent, as we have prepared for the coming of Christ, now it is time to do the work that Christ calls us to do. And as we look at this first chapter of Mark, we see Jesus hit the ground running in terms of the ministry he does. In Mark, we get no birth narrative, we get no infancy stories, we get no stories of young Jesus, we immediately hear about John the Baptist. And then we see the beginning of Jesus' earthly ministry. As we enter this gospel today, we do so having recently turned our calendars from 2020 to 2021. Many of us probably consider 2020 to have been probably one of the worst years of your life. One of the most challenging years that you have ever had. We were tested in so many ways and and much of the year was spent in what felt like an isolated state a a wilderness of sorts with hope we turn the calendar just praying god just let 2021 be better but if you've watched the news this week it seems like the same story it appears it's gotten that has not gotten off to the best start COVID-19 still rages out of control, and despite a vaccine, we are dealing with obstacles and even iniquities on vaccine distribution. Our society continues to struggle with taking care of one another, of wearing masks, of keeping distance, of taking care and loving our neighbor. Issues that continue to be perpetuated as we turn the calendar And then even this past Wednesday, a day we Christians celebrate as epiphany, the observance of the coming of wise men to worship at the feet of our savior. We experienced an act of domestic terrorism, acted out of hatred and attack on our U.S. Capitol, stoked by a discord of lies and partisanship sowed by the very leaders who have sworn to create a safe space of our society. Friends, with the turn of a calendar, we have have an opportunity, to look and to see who we are, to claim Jesus and to know that we are loved and that we are called to love our neighbors, to be reminded not only who Jesus is, but the guiding presence he has in our life. One of the first weeks of the year always includes this scripture text. We always start our year with epiphany and then Jesus being baptized. And as we look at this first chapter of Mark and get down to business, we begin by looking at this story of the baptism of Jesus. And even moving on by looking at Jesus' time in the wilderness. And in that, we reflect on our own baptism and our own time spent in the world. The scripture in front of us from the first chapter is it's partially one we read about a month ago where we reflected on John the Baptist during Advent. However, today we take the story of John the Baptist to the next stage. And we look at John's interaction with Jesus. We know why John baptized. John baptized and preached repentance and forgiveness as a way of relational theology with God, Yahweh. And he baptized persons in the Jordan as a sign and experience of this divine relationship. I love that image of people being baptized in the Jordan because the Jordan marks the border between the promised land and the wilderness. The promised land and the wilderness. John welcomed persons to this border to encounter God and from there he himself encountered the Lord Jesus. One whom John even testifies saying that there is one who is more powerful than I who is coming after me. I'm not even worthy to stoop down and untie the thong of his sandals. And he goes on to tell them, you know, I am baptizing you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. This is more than a statement about who Jesus is. But it is a promise of a personal relationship with God. A relationship of God to humanity and a call for humanity to examine its relationship with one another baptism, this holy and treasured act, both of grace and initiation, invites participants, whether directly or indirectly, to encounter the one who creates, saves, and redeems them. And to consider the people whom they are called to be in society. This is why I love that one of the opening acts we get as the lectionary, as the as our calendar, yearly calendar, turns, and the lectionary invites us to sit with Jesus' baptism. Because in many ways, in our traditions, baptism is portrayed as a fresh start. It signifies the beginning of Jesus' earthly ministry. And from Jesus' baptism, he moves into the wilderness where he is tempted. Jesus encounters the evils of the world through Satan, the prosecutor, the accuser. And it is in the strength and foundation of the proclamation of who Jesus is that we see Jesus enter the wilderness and begin his first act of ministry. For us, we approach the waters of baptism in the same manner as Jesus does. In this manner, Mark provides a great retelling of this story. Now, don't get me wrong, I love the detail that we see in in Matthew and Luke and John. I love the added parts of the story that we get in both of those Gospels. But for Mark, it is about hammering home the point of who Jesus is. For us, 2,000 years later, to read that line, You are my son, the beloved. With you I am well pleased. Marks for us and for all those who read this text exactly who Jesus is. We don't need a grand birth scene. We don't need to get stories from Jesus' youth. No, we are immediately plunged into the waters. And Jesus rises ready to go into the world to do the work for which he was born to do. And we too when we are baptized, are submerged. Sorry, we are United Methodist, so we are sprinkled with the waters of baptism. And we rise, having been baptized, to do the work for which we were created, called, and loved by God to do. However, friends, I wish it was that easy. Because for many of us, like Jesus, we experience our own wilderness. Baptism is an act of grace upon us that we acknowledge what has always been there and giving an outward acknowledgement to it. We encounter both the water and the spirit in this act and we become part of God's greater acts in humanity as we take covenant, both with God and with our communities, to work for the kingdom of God. And yet, as we go out into the world, we experience something far different sometimes than what feels like the love of God, than what looks like the love of God. And as we turned the calendar and entered a year that I hoped would be better than the last, we look and we see where it is God is calling us to go in 2021 and seeing the rocky start. 2020 truly was a year of wilderness experiences. But here, this Sunday, as we are reminded of Jesus' baptism and his own time in the wilderness, we, as Christians, can take a moment of reflection to think of what we can do coming out of it. We have left the wilderness of 2020 behind, and we can either enter a wilderness of 2021 or we can live into our baptism. And create the promised land, the kingdom of God that we are called to build. To wade through the harm that has been caused by our inability to behave in a manner consistent with God's kingdom. Our ability to remember our baptismal vows, to remember the covenant that we made with God in that moment is what will bring us through this wilderness. Mark reminds us to get down to business, to do the work of God. And in our United Methodist liturgy, as we are baptized, we are we covenant with God, and we covenant with the church in three ways. As the pastor, I ask you, do you renounce the spiritual forces of wickedness, reject the evil powers of this world, and repent of your sin? Do you accept the freedom and power God gives you to resist evil, injustice, and oppression in whatever forms they present themselves? And do you confess Jesus Christ as your Savior? Put your whole trust in his grace and promise to serve him as your lord in union with the church which christ has opened to people of all ages nations and races when we think about those vows we think about the people that we are in the world we think about the language that we use when we interact with other people we think about the things that we do and the other people that we lift up when we think about how we hold on to our baptism even in the wilderness It is through reminding ourselves that no matter what we face in the wilderness, these vows, this covenant guides who we are and how we interact with the world. And so we are guided by the covenant we made in our baptism. And I think now more than ever, we need to center ourselves on this. Baptism calls us to view wilderness events like the pandemic like these terrorist attacks as temptations that call us to move humanity to a better, more loving, and more equitable society. As we seek to live out our baptismal vows, we lift up the good. We lift up Jesus. And we lift up the ministry that Jesus taught us while he was on earth. On Wednesday night, I wrote a reflection on Facebook. I hemmed and hauled over it for so long, thinking what are the words that I can offer to a country that is hurting, to a community that is hurting, to people who need to hear a good word. I reflected that this Sunday's text was about the baptism of Jesus. I reflected that I I had seen people talking about vows they took in their baptism. And i said these seem fitting as i reflect on the events that occurred today i try to have tried to collect my thoughts and work myself beyond sheer anger i feel towards those who not only have committed these acts of terrorism but those who continue to incite them with their rhetoric that is diametrically opposed to any sort of healing happening in this country however the anger is not subsiding and i feel it is because this is not an ordinary moment this is a point where evil, injustice, and oppression are on full display. And I, as a pastor, but even more so as a Christian, have to speak out out against it. These were shameful acts, and come nowhere close to representing any real manner or nature of the gospel of Jesus Christ. I must call out these acts of terror, and I must call out the people who try to justify them in any way, because this is not the kingdom that Jesus calls us to be a part of. We are called to be a part of a kingdom where we love God and love our neighbors. And loving our neighbors does not involve violence. It does not involve inciting violence. Loving our neighbor means we do good and we do no harm. Friends, as I read those words that I wrote on Wednesday again this morning, I reflected over and over again. I reflected on how much love is so deeply embedded in our sense of being baptized and being part of God's kingdom. I reflect on how calling out evil and injustice in this world is so part of who we are. Of working and acting so that no one has to experience these evils anymore. So that we live in a society that is guided by justice and equity. I wonder what it looks like for us to get through this wilderness. I wonder what it looks like for us to reconcile as a nation. I wonder what it looks like to love our neighbors when, our negative act, when, our, when negative activity and hatred is shown towards us. Friends, I will never apologize for speaking out against evils in this world. But I know that in the wilderness, we stand firm just as Christ did in the face of temptation and tries to tell us that caring for our neighbor means nothing if it makes us comfortable. Caring for our neighbor neighbor means nothing if we are not willing to stand together in love even when it seems difficult. And friends, loving our neighbor means peace, justice, and love. Loving our neighbor takes these vows, this covenant that is present at our baptism, It takes the unconditional love of God and it seeks to share and spread it as far as the eyes can see. Friends, we are still in this wilderness, lost and trying to find our way out. And I am here to tell you that the only way out of this is by remembering that we are a part of God's kingdom. We are loved and cherished by God. And we are called to love and to cherish our neighbor. That God calls us to earnestly live our lives in glory for the kingdom. And not to, treat, not to treat our sense of Christians as some egotistical trip, but to be humbled that we are in the presence of greatness. And that it transforms and calls to be transformed into a more just and equitable society that just wants to love God and to love our neighbors And if we can't see that, then truly, what are we doing here? As we journey through this first chapter of Mark, we encounter these stories in which we fill in much of the background story as we seek to live in our own relationship with God. Remember your baptism. And don't just be thankful for it, but carry it. Carry it and the lessons that you learn from it into your life as you build God's kingdom. And if you haven't been baptized, and that's okay, I encourage you to hear those words, hear those vows that we make that I said a moment ago, and consider the implication if you live your life guided by those ideals and what it would mean for you to experience those wilderness experiences in your life. How are we loving our neighbor? How are we carrying our baptism into the wilderness? How are we doing the work of Jesus Christ each and every day? Amen.